We all experience stress, but how do you handle it? Do you have a plan to prevent stress or a solid checklist to reduce stress in the moment? This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 393, Productive Under Pressure, with F-14 fighter pilot, Carrie Lorenz. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today was one of the first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilots in the U.S. Navy. She is the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Fearless Leadership, and her latest book is Span of Control. Carrie is one of the most in-demand keynote speakers in the world for both on-stage presentations and virtual ones. She's also one of fewer than 200 inductees into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. A CEO, board member, and mom to four kids, Carrie inspires individuals and organizations to elevate their skill sets and lead through uncertainty. And now here is my interview with Carrie Lorenz. Hey, Jeff, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. So I want to jump right in today with your new book, which is called Span of Control, What to Do When You're Under Pressure, Overwhelmed, and Ready to Get What You Really Want. Uh, First of all, I think that every single topic in that title fits this show really well. And so I want to kind of tackle this from a few different angles. Uh, Let's kind of go backwards first and talk about your background. Uh, What really kind of led up to this? I know you've got a, a military background, and I want to hear like what maybe your perspective on pressure and overwhelm, how did that shape kind of what this book is today? So I was actually super fortunate to be one of the United States Navy's first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilots. And the cockpit of an F-14 is arguably one of the most demanding environments, I think, on Earth. But I was really fortunate to learn some of my most unforgettable lessons, not just in flying, but also, I think, in life and in leadership. And what what I've found to be true in that time and in my years since I've left the Navy, for about the last 15, 20 years I've been working with Fortune 500, uh, Forbes Global 2000 companies, helping build leadership teams, high-performing teams, and even helping people from an executive coaching level. And what I've what I found to be the case is that, you know, we we are all at some point in our lives going to experience a crucible. And this is my second book. My first book was about specifically about leadership. And I think that at our cores right now, for a lot of us, we know we've lost control. Some of us are still, you know, we're 14, 15 months into this, uh, still facing uh, in into a pandemic. We're still facing deep levels of uncertainty, of unknowns, and we're getting pulled in a thousand different directions. And going back even prior to my time of, of leaving the military, for over 30 years, I've, I've researched and studied high performance behaviors, risk management, and human factors in all kinds of organizations, even outside of aviation. And right now, we're living in such an age of overwhelming chaos that I think it's really starting to take a toll on all of us, on educators, on healthcare workers, entrepreneurs, leaders, parents, students. We're seeing mental health issues and crises in students. And what I want people to be able to take a step back 
and and understand is that oftentimes what we find even historically and it's true right now is that the biggest challenge and opportunity of any moment is learning how we can overcome our circumstances instead of being overwhelmed by them and this idea of span of control is different than how we think of it in a business terms of like org chart, like who is in control of what. It's understanding that in order to solve uh, the problems raised by change, by chaos, by uncertainty, we all have to be able to recognize and be able to take advantage of opportunities, which means we are going to have to learn, and it is a learned skill set, to identify our priorities, find focus, and navigate obstacles. And I think that for a lot of people, that feels very undoable right now. So span of control is essentially about knowing the number of things and the kinds of things that you can and should effectively manage at any given time. Understanding that you will run into turbulence, you will feel vulnerable at times, there is no doubt. So how can you be successful anyway? Um, so it's this framework, it's a, it's a process, an idea, a, a way of behaving and even developing habits and rituals that allow you to determine the things you can and should control at any given time, knowing that everything else is just a distraction. That was a really long answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love it. And, and I have a lot of questions about that. So one of the, the first kind of, I guess, question I have about what you said is that there's this sense that when we have, I guess, I'll call it too much on our plate, we have too much we think we have to try and do all at the same time. Like, How do you prioritize in those moments when you feel like you have this overwhelming sense of stress and too many to-dos at once? How do you manage those moments and be able to identify, here's what matters most in this you know, kind of chaos I'm experiencing? Mm -hmm. So... So at the, as a level set, so I'm obviously I'm a fighter pilot. So my goal in life is anything that I do is to, I'm constantly working to clarify the complex, right? Whether that's within organizations, whether that's in my own life, uh, but always working to simplify, simplify, simplify. So it's just three, just three things. And you can think of them as strategic guardrails, emotional guardrails, decision-making guardrails, but the the first thing is we have to identify and focus on what matters most. The second thing is we're going to formulate a flight plan for success. And then the third thing is we want to be able to communicate what's possible. And what's fascinating for me, i'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back a few years in in my world, if you will. Um, so i'm I run my own business. Obviously, we've already said I'm a former fighter pilot. and uh, I work with organizations all over the world and I'm a mom to four kids. So I am juggling a lot of glass balls or chainsaws some days, <laughs> hoping that I don't drop the most important things at any given time. And we've all felt those, those feelings of dread, of overwhelm, of frustration, of feeling like we're drowning in too much to do. And whether we're leaders, partners, parents, not enough time, not enough tools maybe, or even resources to get the job done. 
And what happens then is that when when we're feeling that stress and that anxiety, it starts to narrow our capacity uh, to deal with things, our perceptual perceptual field. It limits our ability uh, and capacity to process any new information. It even affects our ability to recall uh, any kind of information and our short-term memory. So as fighter pilots, we were trained and we worked to develop coping coping mechanisms, techniques, uh, tricks that allow us to work through really high task loads under extreme periods of stress. But that doesn't mean that I haven't succumbed to this as well. Uh, there was a time when my kids were really, really young that we had, I had four kids under the age of seven. Our family had just moved to a new town out of state where we knew almost no one my husband was regularly gone for work for over two weeks at a time and unreachable. And I was wrangling four kids. So, you know, we moved, we move into this house. My kids are in, in different schools, different preschools. I volunteered for the PTA. Um, and at the same time, my dad had ended up in a snowmobiling accident uh, and was critically injured. And he was 1,100 miles away. Almost within a week of that, I discovered two of my kids end up having to have really specialized surgery. And I'm thinking to myself, I can handle this, right? Like, I've got this. I, I, I don't need to ask for help. I can ask for help because I don't even really know anybody there. We had just moved there. And I'm trusting that I'm going to figure this out, right? No drama. I'm just going to put my head down and I'm going to grind. And it turned out that... Uh, even though I consider myself to be extraordinarily stress hardy, it became too much and it started to affect my health. The nonstop nights of interrupting, you know, interrupted sleep. I had a newborn, a one and a half year old, a four year old, a six year old, and any parents of newborns or young kids right now. You know, when people tell you, oh, you just need to carve out some me time or get your kids on a nap schedule. I mean, millions of eyes are rolling right now going, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, right? I'd be, I would have been lucky if I could have gotten one three-hour night sleep at any period of time with that. And so all of a sudden, what what started happening was I was having these episodes of my heart started racing and I was like, what's going on? I've never had any anxiety disorders. I'm was, you know, still pretty fit. I was young. I'm like, I, I'm handling this. I know I'm handling this. Well, mine wasn't simply a time management problem, right? It, there wasn't going to be a snappy color coded spreadsheet that was <laughs> going to get me out of this. I ended up having to wear a heart monitor for about 30 days. And what they discovered was, my heart was racing. It was peaking, spiking at about 170 to 175 beats a minute at nap time, bedtime, and when I had to get all four kids in the car. And it was crazy because those are, those aren't, I'm not deployed. I'm not, you know, throwing my body at the backside of a pitching deck at night. How could this be stressful? Like I loved being a mom, but I realized that I was literally trying to do all of the things, all of the things as perfectly as I could. And I was overwhelmed and exhausted. So I had to go back. 
I had to go back to the skills and the habits that allowed me to be successful in really stressful environments at Mach 2. So every day I had to work really hard to refocus on what was under my span of control. I would grab a stack of post-it notes and I would write down the top three most important things, not a list of 16 where I'm going to cross off the easiest things. So I feel like I'm making headway. Um, but my top three most important things. And then I started writing down uh, a plan, right? Okay. What's my checklist? What are the things that I have to get done? What's the order I need to get done? And what are the things that I can look at and point to that I have to start saying no to. So task shedding, if you will. I started task shedding, saying no to whatever didn't help me get the most important things done. And then I started asking for help. I went over and knocked on my brand new neighbor's door and you know asked for recommendations for who are your trusted babysitters, who can sit with my youngest two kids or or catch my, you know, my, my six-year-old off the bus while I have two others at doctor's appointments. So it, you know, not that it was all of a sudden, everything was dancing through the tulips and easy, but I had to figure out what were the things that I could say no to that would allow me to get the most important things done. Because otherwise I, I don't know what was going to happen. I mean, there are only so many times your heart can keep doing that where you're internalizing that stress before it's just going to tap out. So, so I had to ask myself, you know, what are the top three most important things I should be doing? I should be focusing on right now. Uh, what are the things that I can control and what's my plan? What am I going to be very intentional about saying no to? And what can I say yes to? so that the most important things don't drop. And I've carried that with me in building a business and working with clients, uh, you know, in, in my life today, that is crazy juggling schedules and four kids schedules and work and business and, and maybe even trying to have some fun in there. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply.
yeah, fun would be nice. <laughs> right? In the, middle, in the middle of stress, <laughs> fun sounds like a yeah, fleeting thing. But I love Absolutely. what you mentioned here about this, the post-it notes and the top three things. But I think what, what I really kind of took away from that and one thing I know I've experienced personally is when I'm in those moments where things are crazy and I feel like I can't handle what's going on, it's so therapeutic for me to just take a few minutes to write down all the things in my head and then prioritize that list and make sure that I know what matters and I know what doesn't. And for whatever reason, just that simple act of writing things down, like that reduces my stress immediately. And I Absolutely. like the fact that you've identified that. Here are the top three things, but also don't do all the little easy things to feel better. Do the things that actually matter and forget the rest. Mm -hmm. I feel like that whole process is so it's so intentional and so simple, yet so many of us just we don't do it in that in those moments. And I know that's a that's counter to some advice there. You know, some people will will suggest, hey, do you know, do three or four things that once you start checking off those little wins, you develop momentum and now you can tackle the big things. But what I've found to be true for not only myself, but a lot of the high performers that I work with and and Olympic athletes, uh, top executives, if you fill your your first two or three hours with the little things, I promise you there's something bigger or more valuable that will then uh, get pushed to the side because you you in, inevitably start reacting to everybody else's demands. You know, I don't know, you're a parent, maybe somebody throws up on your laptop or you're trying to get to school and, you know, who knows what happens. But But if you don't get it done, right out of the gate, if you don't get at least one or two of those most important things done. And I I advocate for people, I say, put this where you are going to see this list 40, 50 times a day. And, and again, I don't, whether you're an individual contributor, whether you're a parent, whether you are in the C-suite, put it on the back of your phone, put it on your fridge, put it on your desktop. Because when you see that, what happens at about day 10, you will you will start becoming much more uh, assertive and intentional in telling other people, I'm sorry, I can't do that. This is what works for me. You'll start building in boundaries so that you are getting the most valuable work done. And one of the other things, you know, that I've also found super effective with a post-it note. And once you start taking action on these things, yes, you will start developing momentum because your mood follows action, whether that's in the work that we do, whether that's in the workout, the first 12 minutes that we start building up some sweat, mood will always follow action. And our goal should always be that when we're leading through times of chaos and uncertainty, I, I really think it's imperative that we're constantly working to build the capacity to adapt and to be responsive to an ever-changing environment. And what can happen, especially for people who are used to having control over everything or being a perfectionist, you can start becoming much more responsive to the environment and reactionary instead of taking some time beforehand to think through possible scenarios, uh, potential threats, potential obstacles, what if, what if something catastrophic happens, and then writing down, having a checklist, having a plan, 
so that everybody around you, whether that's one person or you're leading a team of a thousand or 10,000 is aware of what success should look like. So when you've done that, when you have a level set of what success looks like for you, for your family, for your team, it actually allows people the flexibility to adapt. And you can start executing your good enough plans so that you're not now at the mercy of an environment that's outpacing your plan. And humor me with just one more thing on this. Too, too often people think I've done this a million times. I, I've got it. We've got it. My team or my family knows what's going on. Pilots live by checklists, right? We have checklists for everything. We have checklists for pre-flight. We have checklists for landing. And you would think, well, you land every single time. Why, why do you need a checklist? Um, but we want that checklist because we don't want to ever forget the most important things. Now, when we're doing a huge, huge multi um, multi-services, super integrated plan or, or, or um, operation, we might have a 24-page planning checklist, right? Because we're human. We forget things. Your day-to-day -day work probably doesn't need a 12-page checklist. Um, but you do want to ask the super straightforward, simple questions routinely so that you have a framework, that your brain has a framework to go back to reflexively that then allows you to make better decisions, right? Again, a lot of words that at the end of the day, what it means is we have to be working constantly to clarify the complex. Otherwise, our focus gets pulled in a million different directions. And when you dilute your focus, you dilute your power and you'll become overwhelmed. You know, one thing you said was this idea that, you know, define what success looks like or really be clear on that. I feel like there is an element of of stress where oftentimes, at least I, I know I personally experienced this, where oftentimes I'm stressed about things that are almost like they're vague problems that I'm, I'm afraid something might happen. But I haven't defined specifically like what the bad thing is or defining what the good thing would be to do. And I feel like there's this like sense of power that comes with defining what these things are and saying, mm -hmm. like, here's exactly what I will do and how it will look, or here's what we're trying to accomplish in a very clear sense of this is the finish line. And when that's in place, all of a sudden, like the how to get there seems so much easier and so much more doable and so much less stressful because we know we're up against that point. Absolutely. And that's, that's one thing that I see so many teams, um, and people not actually taking a time, taking a minute to actually ask themselves is, is the question, what does this look like? What does success look like for, for me as a person? What does it look like for our family? What does it look like for our team? We can get so caught up in this hustle grind and whether that's scrolling through Instagram or social media or, or having bought into somebody else's definition of what success looks like that that we don't take enough time to contemplate and reflect and go that's not that's not actually an indicator of success for me right or from a team perspective from from a leadership perspective you know you don't have to take 4 hours 
to come up with a plan, but you do need to take the time so that you set people up to adapt very, very quickly to make sure everybody understands. Just simply ask the question, what does the goal look like at the end state? What, what does success look like? You may take a different path to get there than I do, but boy, we better both be aligned and headed in generally the same direction, right? <laughs> um, the second question I think we skip over so quickly looking for that like life hack or a quick win is take a beat and say, or ask, has anyone ever done this before? You want to search, you want to find the lessons already learned so you don't make the same mistakes. I mean, your podcast, huge repository of information and is a gold mine of valuable tips, tools, and ways to become more successful. <laughs> I try to tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you, you know, you can start a book and you don't have to finish it. Mm. But if you read John Wooden's book, or you read something from Alison Levine, or Mike Abershoff, or the Disney Institute, find one thing, find one lesson learned, open up a page. There's something in there that somebody has done before that's helped them be successful. Can it help you as well? Right? So that would be the second second question I'd ask is, has anyone done this before? Third thing, you can do this super really, super quickly is say, um, analyze your, your threats versus resources. And if we all think about what we did in second grade, when we, you know, on the left side of the page are the animals, on the right side of the page are the colors, and you line up, okay, the pink goes to the pig, the green goes to the frog. Literally, this is how quickly you can line up, but write down, capture, what are some of the assets, what are the threats, consider it. And then think about what's, what's your next step? What is your next step or two steps or three steps? What is the, the course of action that can get you closer to what you said success looked like? Next thing I'd say, always ask what if. We're seeing this right now. The question of asking what if people want to skip over because it's scary, it's painful, it, it usually involves failure and catastrophe uh, and contingencies, right? We want to look for where are the surprises, where are the risks, what if we don't get funding? What if we don't have enough people? What if somebody doesn't show up? What am I going to do? Think about those things in advance so that if it happens, you can adjust to it. And then the last thing I'd say really quick is, is again, whether it's just yourself or whether it's your team, um, plan to debrief. This, this is always part of, of our pre-flight, always part of my operational planning is we want to figure out very, very quickly what's working and what isn't so that we can adjust very quickly and do better next time. And, and it's one of the most overlooked steps in, in every group and team, except for high-performing athletes that I work with. People don't want to debrief because it's so uncomfortable, but it's a necessary thing if you want to um, go further faster and keep your sanity intact. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. 
What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, and and I'm all about that. Yeah, <laughs> one aspect of that, the whole idea of like going back and like reviewing what you've done. I mean, as someone who records his own voice all the time, I have to listen back mm. to what, what I spoke mm. and, and my own recording. And anyone who's ever been on camera knows that it's really painful to watch yourself on camera, to listen to yourself. And so, it, I mean, every single week, this is what I'm doing. And I finally got to a point, what, 10 years into this now, where it's not as painful, but it's still weird. It's still, I don't want to do it. But I think that it's that acknowledgement of if I'm able to lean into, you know, here's where my weakness is, here's where I can improve, then all of a sudden I have the chance to actually make you know, improvements. Things actually get mm -hmm. better, mm -hmm. but I have to be willing to step in and say, okay, fine, I'll listen to my own voice or whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden the, the success just follows those actions. Absolutely. And, and for those people who have been in a situation where something where they think or they're, they're, they're flashing back to what they thought was a, a debrief was happening. Oftentimes people, uh, when we even talk about the idea of accountability, um, in my mind with, with almost every conversation I have with teams, accountability sounds like a four letter word, but because it means somebody is, feels like they are about to be attacked, which means people are going to get defensive. Now learning has shut down and we're simply not going to move forward. But what, what I want people to consider is this idea of, and put yourself in a flight suit, you know, you're sweaty, you smell like maybe JP5 or JP4, some jet fuel, you're a little bit greasy, and now you're sitting in a room with four, eight, 12 other, other fighter pilots who have beyond NFL-sized egos. And yet, in order for us to get better than we were before we launched on that last flight, we have to be able to set our ego aside. And so we operate from a debriefing perspective with the mindset of, it is not about who is right, it is what is right. And we have to be able to set our ego aside. And so this process has been refined over hundreds of thousands of hours and decades of flying. But it, we all have to walk into that room knowing that ego doesn't matter, rank doesn't matter, but that we all agree that we never want to leave success to chance. Because we know uncertainty is never going to go away. 
uh, ambiguity is never going to go away. There will always be unknowns. And when we're working in a rapidly changing situation, that's extraordinarily stressful, psychologically, physically, some days emotionally, depending on what's happening. The people, the teams who can move through relevant and better decision-making cycles more, more quickly and more effectively than others are the ones who can stay laser focused on their span of control and can set their ego aside knowing it's not about who is right. It's about what's right. We're just trying to get to a place again. And you can think of this emotionally, physically, from a business perspective, that's more valuable than where we are today. And it's doable. It's doable. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to involve a gutting conversation. It's just keeping those mental guardrails on of, of let's take a breath, let's be solutions oriented, and let's focus on what's under our span of control. Let's do it. I like the idea of things being doable. I feel like that's oftentimes where I'm trying to get to in terms of a, a challenging problem or a task that I feel like mm -hmm. is is you know monumentous in size. It's breaking those things down to doable smaller actions. For me, that I know is as a strategy I've used for years uh, to get to that kind of span of control and saying, you know, I can make this next phone call. I can I can send this next mm -hmm. email. I can do this next smaller piece. And when those things start to line up, that's when I build momentum. And that's when all of a sudden I feel that sense of power to say, I'm actually making progress here. But it, it doesn't come from that, like, I'm going to run a marathon right now. It's like, I'm going to mm -mm. take one more step right now. And that to me feels so much more just doable on a, a daily basis. Absolutely. And and where you can start to build the momentum in that is if you you take time, and I swear I should be I should be a brand ambassador for post-it notes. I really should. <laughs> there's there's something about the kinesthetic, uh, the kinetic effect of, or kinesthetic, I guess, of of physically taking the time to write down those three things, those three most important things, and then you know what you just brought up, but in an indirect indirect way, is this idea of the progress principle, that how we develop momentum. And what can be challenging for people, and especially for high performers or people who are desperate to get to a place, again, more valuable than where they are right now, is that they think they have to be perfect. And this does not just affect perfectionists, but that there are so many, there are so many of us who who we are afraid of not being good enough, of not launching, of not asking for more, for women, not knowing their value, not demanding a raise. And what I try to give people uh, counsel on is that flip, your, flip the script, 80% is good enough. Now, not if you're in compliance and you work in finance, that's a whole different <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. But I want people to be mindful of is if you have the right framework in place or you're taking the time to debrief so that you learn quickly, 80% is good enough to start taking action. It's, it's enough to start executing on your plan so you're not at the mercy of an environment that's outpacing where you were yesterday or two weeks ago, which is where the plan the plan comes in place, into play, right? 
80% is good enough. If you want to start working out, you don't have to sign up for some 30 minute a day, six day a week thing, or some, you know, 90 minute lift plan five days a week, blah, blah, blah. 80% is good enough. I have a 12 minute rule on the days. I don't feel like working out. I tell myself I'm going to do it for 12 minutes, right? Like 12 minutes feels doable, right? Even if you're two weeks away from having a baby or you find yourself, you know, a couple of hundred pounds off of your goal weight. You can do something for 12 minutes, anything. Chances are once you get to 12 minutes, you'll go, I can do a little bit more. And you do on those days where you hit 12 minutes and you're like, I just worked two shifts. I had two and a half hours of sleep. I am not getting 30 minutes of cardio in today. But if you made it to 12 minutes, that was 12 minutes you weren't going to get done to begin with. So you have to you have to cut yourself some slack and live with a little bit of grace and understand that 80% can be good enough if you keep moving forward, if you keep taking action. And that is what builds momentum and uh, gets you to a better place. So it all kind of works together. Um, and, and in a way span of control is, you know, it gives you the tools, the mental framework to work through very complex, very difficult situations, even grief, um, without losing, without losing focus and losing sight on what matters most to you as a person, as a leader, as an individual. You know, I want to go back to what you mentioned earlier about checklists because I, um, you know, I'm not a pilot, but I did take a, as a, the airport in Nashville, uh, you know, near my house offers this, you know, you can spend a little bit of money and a pilot will take up a Cessna and kind of teach you how to do like your first flight. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through this process about a year ago and the pilot went through just this enormous checklist. It's just a little tiny Cessna, a little small flight. And I could not believe the size of the checklist to do this. And it was an incredible experience to see this thing firsthand. And I know that there is incredible value in that sense of preparation for something important of having that we're going to go through this because it matters. And we don't want to miss any steps. We want this whole thing to, to go smoothly, you know, and it, I mean, as the passenger in this case, it really eased my mind to know this pilot has at least at the very least this, he knows what he's doing because there's a checklist mm-hmm. to force him to do it. I feel like there's so much power there to have that, that sense of control to say, this is how this is going to play out because I've done this before and I have the reminder and, and here it is. Absolutely. And, and what that also does is it starts to develop a habit pattern of training your brain to be intentional, even when you're super stressed and because task overload and task overwhelm task saturation the quickest way ever to derail solid performance solid execution and simply even your ability to get anything done and you would think you know when you're flying on a major airline you know landing at a major airport that pilots have so much experience in this that why would they have to do it? Why would they need to use a checklist, right? Well, because the bottom line is the things on those pre-flight, post-flight landing checklists, we have worked through uh, mishaps, hours in the air, uh, times of high-stress environments that we've taken the time to identify, again, the most important thing we should be focusing on right at that time 
so that when we are overwhelmed or overloaded, when we lose an engine, when you run into a flock of birds, you reflexively go to that checklist so that you're able to land successfully or handle the emergency successfully. Span of control gives you that same framework psychologically so that when you're overwhelmed, when you might be in a trough of grief or frustration, that you can get through it and get past it much more quickly than if you didn't have it there. It lets you go actually beyond what you ever thought was possible. And it's not, it's research-based, it's science-proven, and it's not, it's not woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that, that works. Again, it works across all organizations, uh, all age groups, and, and it's an idea and it's a way of behaving and thinking uh, that, that I just feel like we could really use, especially right now across every field, every industry, um, that can help people get through the difficult and even not wait for an invitation to make a difference, right? Because we all have it in us, but it's how you navigate these challenges right now that uh, will determine whether you uh, thrive and survive or you are simply just trying to hang on. This has been great, Carrie. I've really enjoyed this, this talk today. I definitely want our listeners to, to get a copy of the book. So where can they go to, to learn more from you and, and find the book as well? Oh, perfect. Well, you can go to spanofcontrol.com or carrielorenz.com. It's the book is uh, launching soon and is available at all your fine retailers or go to your indie bookstore. And feel free to follow me on uh, all the social channels. I'm, I'm there, not super active. Uh, but I'll definitely respond to your questions and comments. But I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm grateful you are sharing your time with me. Thank you. Yeah, certainly. It's been a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll be, be sure to have those links for listeners this week in the show notes page so they can dig into your content and definitely get a copy of the book. So uh, yeah, Carrie, thanks again. Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And for that great action step this week, rein in the chaos of your life by picking up Carrie's new book, Span of Control. Now, Carrie is seriously impressive and has rock solid advice that you and I can both learn from. Also, be sure to check out her new podcast called Welcome to My Office. JeffSanders.com slash 393 is the place to go to get the episode notes, including links, transcriptions, and more. That's all I've got for you here on the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life. And the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first. 
and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.